Praise the Lord. Shall we pray together? Our Father in heaven, we thank you once again for this great privilege you have given unto us to come to listen to your words. We pray that your Holy Spirit will enlighten us and give us understanding in your words in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we will be considering the topic parenting or puppeting, looking at the example of Joash and Jehoiada. Joash was a king in Judah, while Jehoiada was a high priest, or what we call a chief priest in Judah at the time. You will find the account of these men in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 22, chapter 23, and chapter 24. And you might be familiar with the story of Joash and Jehoiada even well before now, depending on how much of the history of the king of Israel and Judah you have read. If you're not familiar with it already, I would encourage you to read these three chapters. And I trust that you will be very happy you did. Because there are so many things that we can glean from the passage, both for life and for ministry. I strongly believe that this teaching would not only benefit parents, but also will benefit pastors, preachers, and other leaders in any environment at all, whether spiritual or not. And as we turn our Bibles to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 24, I would quickly summarize chapter 22 and chapter 23 so that we don't need to read that through. But we'll come to chapter 24 and look at a few verses there as God will begin to point to us some of the very, very important things that we must watch for about as we parent our children. So the background was that Joash, the son of King Ahaziah, who was the king of Judah, he was the only child of this king that escaped from the massacre of an evil queen, Ataliah. And you might have heard about Ataliah, that idolatrous woman who killed all the seed royals of the house of Judah. And you find this in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 22, verse 10. Now, at the time that Ataliah was killing all the sealed royals, Jehoshabet, the sister of Isaiah, the father of Joash, stole him from among the king's son and ate him for six years in the chambers of the temple. Coincidentally, at the time as well, um, Jehoshabet was the wife of the high priest. So Joash had the opportunity to be brought up in the temple. Throughout the six years of the reign of Ataliah, the wicked queen, Joash was under the training and upbringing, hiding in the temple under Jehoiada and Jehoshabet. At the age of seven, the high priest Jehoiada conducted a revolution and reform that led to the death of the wicked queen Ataliah, and this seven-year-old Joash came to the throne. And this brings us to Second Chronicles chapter 24. So Joash became king at the age of seven after Jehoiada the high priest conducted a revolution and reform that led to the death of the wicked queen Ataliah. You will see this in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 23. But if you turn with me to chapter 24, and I'll start reading the first few verses here. The Bible says, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zibiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada took for him two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. He gathered together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out unto the cities of Judah 
and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of God from year to year, and see that ye hasten the matter. But what we see in that verse 5 is that the Levites hastened it not. And the king called for Jehoiada the chief, and that's the chief priest, and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection, according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? For the sons of Ataliah, the wicked woman, had broken up the house of God, and also the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Baalim. So, in verse 8, we have, And at the king's commandment, they made a chest, and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring in to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And we see that in verse 10, the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end. I will pause a little bit here for to just give a summary. So what we have here was that Jehoiada brought up Joash, established him as a king in the kingdom of his father that the wicked queen had taken. And for at least 23 years, while Jehoiada lived, his reign was very prosperous. He took wives for him. He helped him in executing the good deeds that he desired to do for God. But something happened. After 23 years thereabouts, Jehoiada died. And if you look at Second Chronicles chapter 24 and verse 15, the Bible says, But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And 130 years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good deeds in Israel, both towards God and towards his house. Now this is where the problem came. In verse 17, the Bible says, Now after the death of Jehoiada, came the princes of Judah, and made obeisance to the king, that's to Joash. Then the king akined unto them, and they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers, and served groups and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem, for this their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them, to bring them again unto the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not give here. And so what we see here is that once Jehoiada died, Joash turned away from God, fell into the hands of bad advisors, at whose suggestions he revived the worship of Baal and Ashtaroth, and they went to serve grooves and idols. If you read further, even into the passage, you realize when he was rebuked by the prophets who testified against their actions, they simply would not listen. And he killed the son of Jehoiada, the priest. But before his death, when Azael, king of Syria, came up against Jerusalem, he used the dedicated things of the altar, among many other things, to bribe the king of Syria to avoid being defeated and taken. So we see, number one, the rise of King Joash, a young king who was helped by the high priest, Jehoiada. Number two, we see the zeal of the king executed in part by Jehoiada. And we see the decline of the king who destroyed the legacy and progeny of the one who helped him. So what can we learn or what can we see and how can we bring this example from that time even to our time and apply it? So let me tell you about the Joash in our own time and you can really compare both. The Joash of our time is that child who was trained from his earliest years in the church or in a Christian home and was exposed very early to religion like Joash who had been trained from his earliest years in the temple. 
a Josh of a time is that one who is being raised by godly parents. They could be pastors, prophets, or teachers, or workers, or just like Jehoiada and Jehoshabiah, the high priest, and his wife. Our Jewish might be instructed in the doctrine of the church. And you can tell that Jewish was definitely instructed in the religion of Israel because he knew the commandment of Moses. Our Jewish might be surrounded by the best Christian influence of his age. Like in this case, you have the high priest and his wife. Our Jewish might have married or may marry according to the law and the custom of the land chosen and agreed upon by spiritual leaders. And you can see in the case of Joash in the scripture that Jehoiada, the high priest, chose two wives for him. And you can almost be sure that the two wives whom Jehoiada selected for him were consistent worshippers of God and were loyal to the law and the temple, unlike what some other kings that came before him had done. So the high priest made sure that he closed all the loops like many parents would do. No daughter of the house of Ahab, no strange wife from Egypt, Ammon or Moab will be allowed the opportunity to come in into their lives or into their family. It is also very possible that our own Joash comes up with some very good initiative for the house of God. Like Joash in the Bible, who was minded to repair the house of God. In the early years of his reign, filled with zealous activities in the service of the temple, while Jehoiada was alive. To the end that if he is not getting sufficient support, he simply says, Sir, Sir, what is happening? The Levites are not obeying the commandments of God. Talk to them for me. And simply, the high priest will just come and speak to them and they will all obey. But just when the influence is not there, just when the spiritual support is not present, and that could have been when uh, Joash left home, to go to school, the demise of the guardian. Like in this case, Joash lost Jehoiada. So after the death of the chief priest, Jehoiada, all that was built was all gone. He followed the princes of Judah and they left the house of God, their father, to serve groves and idols. He even orchestrated the death of Zechariah, the servant of the Lord, who was also the son of the priest. And you see that in Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 20 to 21. And the scriptures point to it that he might have killed other children of Jehoiada as well. So what was the problem with this our Joash? Now this appears to me to be a man who was raised in a cocoon, perhaps isolated and insulated from the world. While he might have been taught to go the right way, recognizing and avoiding the wrong way seemed not to be very obvious. The only influence he received also continued to the point that he was an adult to the end that his wives were chosen for him. And any good action that he would even ever think about cannot be executed by him, but by the help of his spiritual father. So when he did that which was right, though it, he might have attempted to do it, it was not based on a firm principle, but it was in compliance with what his foster father or spiritual father would desire. And because he had been protected by the temple, he rose up upon the ruins of idolatry. And therefore, when the wind turned, it turned with it. How many of our children today are going in the direction of the winds? How many have we helped to develop the spiritual stamina to go against the wind, to go against the prevailing opinions and ways of the modern times that is opposed to God? For Joash, the loss of a parent or guardian was the loss of his religion. It was the loss of his faith. So here we have a young man who has been priest reading all his years. Now the priest is dead. It was time for him to be prince reading. 
So he moved from being priest dependent to prince dependent. And there is no firm foundation upon God. This young man ended up using all the dedicated allowed things of the temple from the time of his forefathers to his own allowed things as bribe. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 18, and Joash, king of Judah, took all the allowed things that Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Isaiah, his father, king of Judah, had dedicated and his own allowed things and all the gold that were found in the treasures of the house of the Lord and in the king's house and set it to Azael, king of Syria. And he went away from Jerusalem. So here you see, when we fail to equip our children and make the matter of their personal salvation a priority, but rather we tie their faith to our own faith. When we leave all that we have gathered as success in life and ministry, and much more will be at their disposal to use for whatever they choose, for whatever cause they find themselves. And Joash, at that point in which he took that decision, had lost connection from God. So when the king of Syria, Azael, besieged him, he did not have gods to call upon. Perhaps when the priest was alive, he was doing all the prayers for him. And so he could not pray. He could not seek God because he had lost connection with God. Now the revered priest is not there. With godly counsel missing, he resorted to self-help. And all the dedicated allowed things of the temple he used to bribe the king of Syria. His own life was terminated abruptly as well by his own servant. Now let's talk about Jehoiada. What could he have done differently? And what can we learn from him? Of a truth, Jehoiada finished his own course with honor. But the little religion that Joash had was all buried in his grave. He went away with it. He died and died with the foundation of a king. And after his death, both the king and the kingdom miserably degenerated. They buried him among the kings because he had a good legacy with his honorable enconium. Perhaps it was probably part of the inscription on his gravestone that he had done good for Israel. You notice that Judah is called Israel here because the other tribes, having revolted from God, were not Israelites indeed. So it was the real hope of Judah and Israel combined. So people praised him and people wept that Israel had lost a true king. I want to say that he was really the king while Joash was the puppet being fronted as the king. I tell you, when Joash died, because of the evil he had done, he was not buried among the kings. Now note that we are not trying to blame this priest who has done well in his own time. Rather, we want to learn from his good and from his deltas. We need to know that it is good to serve honorably in our time. However, it is better if we do that and leave honorable men who will continue the legacy we lay down. And we have an opportunity to raise up our children in a way that they will continue that legacy. They can be the example of godliness and even go beyond us in their spirituality. Parents, if all your good or spiritual good goes with you at your last breath, how honorable is that? What legacy is it that ends in an epitaph or on a monument? Who is going to inherit an epitaph? Who is going to inherit a monument? The high priest died with his good. And like that poet said, his good was interred with him in his bones. One thing I want you to know is that when evil people die, their evil don't go with them. Their evil live after them. But when good people die and they have not passed it along a right to people, others that would carry their good on, their good don't live after them. It is often interred with them in their bones. The lesson for us here as parents is that if all the faith your children have is because of you, if all the faith your children have is because of your position in the church or in the Christendom or because of your control, you can be very sure that you are carrying a time bomb because at your exit, what would they stand upon? When you have not raised your child to stand on his own spiritually, anchoring upon God, 
and not anchoring on your own influence, your own spirituality, your own position, you may be doing more harm than good by the time you have left. The best instruction cannot preserve against a fall if the heart is not firm and strong in the Lord. Now, a child we have made every possible good decision for will not be empowered to make decisions because he does not know how to do it. Did you see Joash go and pray about anything? Did you see him call upon the priest or the prophets? Because he has not been doing that. He was swimming in an environment of spirituality and it seemed that everything was good until it was put to test. Do you know that this is also true for many of our children? We raise them in a Christian home. They attend church. They even come up with good initiatives that seem to be godly. And all of a sudden, they go to college when we are not there. And it was as though they had a U-turn in their lives. Is it possible that their faith was not granted? No, many times we point to the devil. But there are children that go to college and they stand. It's a function of what you have taught them. Have you taught them just the right way? Have you taught them the right way? And also how to avoid and recognize the wrong way. We're going to be talking about teaching in the next episode in more details. As we bring this to a close, we must empower our children to make decisions and watch them make decisions. We need to be conscious and aware of the risk of our children's faith and faithfulness anchoring on us as opposed to anchoring on Christ. And we must make proactive decisions and take proactive steps to make sure that their faith and their love is anchored on Jesus Christ. Over-reliance of our children on us is disastrous, not only for us, but even for the kingdom. We must ensure that our children have personal faithfulness that is grounded upon the solid rock. Because it is only God, because it is only God that does not fail. Now the story of Joash enforces the duty of training our children to have their faith stand alone and not to rest upon us. This is not to say that we should not counsel our children. What we are emphasizing here is that the best use of our spiritual counsel is not for the every case that arises. We should ourselves point them to God. We should have them pray and like Samuel say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. We're going to talk about this later. But I want to believe that one of the things that helped Samuel to thrive even in the midst of the children of Belial was the fact that he could hear from God. He had a personal connection with God. And if that was the only thing that Eli did well, he did that well. And if there's anything you're going to do well in raising your children, is that you help them to come to the understanding and to hear God and to speak to God. And I know that there are parents who want to have a say on everything that concerns their children. Now know that I'm not talking about small children here who do not know their right hand from their left hand. But those must be helped. But the wisdom in parenting is knowing when, in terms of time and in terms of situation, that you would allow them to make some decisions for themselves while they are still under your watch. It is proper training to give them tasks to execute with the aim of practically reinforcing what they have been taught. Jesus did this for his disciples. When he sent them out two by two, they executed the, the task. They came back rejoicing for the wrong thing. He had to set their priorities right then and there. He said, rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Don't rejoice that you were able to get some things done. That is discipleship. That is training. That is building resilience as you raise the children up. And you see that example in the scriptures. As we mentioned, Joash, who had been supported all along in his life, might have needed support after the death of his supporter. And you will note that once the priest was gone, the next level of support that was on the line were the princes. And these princes came with full hands and they drew his heart away from God. 
I want to also say that you know that a righteous act does not necessarily come from a righteous act. A righteous initiative does not necessarily tell us that the person who is coming up with a suggestion or carrying out an initiative is necessarily righteous. And many of us rejoice when we see a child do something good. And I think we should rejoice. But one thing we should be asking from God, even when we see their good deeds, is that God should help them to have a solid grounding with God. As you raise the children up, you want to ask yourself the question, can these children stand alone with God when they are on their campus, when they are on their home, when I am not there? Or have you made all decisions for them all along? They will seek to take counsel and reason from the princes of the people, people who can influence them if you are gone. Let us make sure we anchor our children on the firm foundation such that in our absence, they will stand and not sink and cringe for every available support they can get. If you will not carry your children on your laps forever and you would have them try to walk, even sometimes they fall because they are learning to walk. I believe this bad parenting, though it may not be obvious to us, if we will spiritually bear our children on our laps to the end that they cannot walk spiritually by themselves. I believe God is bringing this to us, not to condemn us, but rather to enlighten and warn us against the danger of genuinely but ignorantly crashing the oaths of the next generation and destroying the heritage of God. I trust that the Holy Spirit will give us more understanding in these things in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you once again. I will bless you for these words you have spoken unto us. We pray that you amplify this in our hearts. Help us that it will not just be for our heads, but it will be engrafted upon every heart. And for anyone who had already made any mistake, we pray for grace and help for such a parent today. And help every parent or would-be parent to put these words into action as they raise their children to have a firm foundation in you and you alone. All this we have said in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.